Yeah, and be careful when you hit the table. Oh, okay. Good morning and welcome to Sharp Talk. Uh, we are so excited to welcome two-time Pro Bowl, two-time first team, Arizona Ring of Cardinal Ring of Honor recipient, uh, St. Louis Sports Hall of Famer, father of two, grandfather of four, and a very close family friend, Mr. Roy Jetstream Green to Sharp Talk today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Good morning. How's everything? Look at Lou. Man, that can't be Lou. Look at Lou. Lou what up, Jared? What Look up, Jared? It, man. You in shape. Oh, my. You heard me now. You know I don't ever want you being better than me, and I'm in trouble now. Because you Look at you, man. You're you healthy. You're looking that. young. Yes, can you that. play? That, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, in my mind, I can play probably maybe two downs, and it'll take me about a month to recuperate. Well, if you can do two, you're going to beat me by two. <laughs> it's great to have you on, uh, Roy. Uh, you sound and you look great. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, you've supported me throughout the years. You're one of the few people, you know, when you go through your troubling times, that's really when you find out who your true friends are. And uh, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the occurrences, the incidences that, that happened that you showed uh, your heart and your special love. And certainly I would not be standing here without your support, influence and, and the prayers of your family. So I have to thank you for that as I welcome you to Sharp Talk. Well, I thank you also, Louis, as you spoke about, you know, any a lot of uh, so-called success that I've had. Uh, you know, I understand that there's so many people that have uh, helped and appreciate that I appreciate so uh, uh, so much uh, because I could not have done any of that or any of that would not have happened. Any of those positive things, and you are one of the specific ones, Louis. I mean, you are one of my favorite uh, teammates. You're just a great person. I I was always amazed, but then probably. But then the first time we actually sent when I mean spoke uh, when you were drafted, you know, coming from UCLA, you know, the fact that you had to back uh, uh, as a as a youngster from Cuba and, and you always spoke so wonderful. I know that that's a insult to a lot of people now when you say, man, this guy speaks so wonderful and everybody <laughs> thinks everybody does that. But it's not, <laughs> man. And you were just amazed. Amazed me about when I first heard you. You knew so much about anything that was talked about. You could speak about it, you know. So that was like you were very well rounded. I just loved it, man. And and because of that, your your demeanor, your demeanor around this, it seemed so calm and easy, which is great. But when we got on that field, man, <laughs> you were a dog, man. You were a dog, and your mentality. Oh man, it was the you were a great teammate, man. A great teammate. Well, that means a lot, uh, Jet. I really appreciate those very kind and gracious words, and uh, you certainly. And, and and I'm not ashamed to talk about uh, some of my dark my dark days, uh, having gotten into substances and lost my freedom, uh, lost the the respect of of my many of my peers in my community. But you were always there. I'll never forget you and Big Larry Lee. Uh, yeah, came Larry, my, yeah. <laughs> came to my house in Awatuki and, and knocked me out. And you guys drove me <laughs> to the Betty Ford Clinic. Of course, I wasn't ready to receive the help that I needed. 
Okay. But you mm-hmm. guys drove me out of your care and compassion and uh, to, to Betty Ford Clinic. And, you know, throughout this journey, Roy, now that I've been delivered and those same gifts that you talked about, being able to articulate and, and speak uh, coherently, I use those in the community to share my experience, strength and hope and uh, and bring hope to others that are traveling the same road that they, too, can change their lives and become productive and responsible members of society. And you've been a big part of that. So thank you, my brother. Oh, you know what? Thank you. First and foremost, I, I appreciate more than you have first during that time first and foremost you know I, I learned a lot about it learned things i didn't know but the one thing my my grandfather my my hero of course he's been passed quite a time but he was a guy who always talked about compassion and always realizing that you're going to know within a, a a friend a real friend you're going to know who they are very soon that you meet and I've always thought about that. So as I just told you, I was so amazed within moments of meeting you. And I knew that. And uh, so I've always been a, uh, trying to be compassionate because I, w- I would want from me or what I could receive anyone uh, to give it back. And uh, so that moment, you know, was very, I don't say it was difficult. Well, it was a difficult time. Because so I really didn't know enough, but I just knew that I love you and I wanted to help if I could. But I think people need to realize that yours was just public, you know, because we all had some issues, you know. And yeah. I was with one that, uh, and we still have them. Who doesn't have yes, uh, issues or problems? Uh, as you just said, though, you've been released. Uh, and a lot of us hasn't, you know. As I say, we still fight you know, every in the morning trying to figure out what we're doing, but other people don't know ours. Public, publicly, uh, people knew what you were going through, but as I said, there was a lot of us had issues all that time, but uh, uh, I wasn't, I just knew that you were going to overcome it. No matter what, I knew that you were overcoming because that's your, as you said, you, you're a warrior, and now you have uh, the greatest friend, <laughs> As Grandpa say, you know, always love the Lord. Hallelujah. Always love the Lord. I know you've always done that, so it was going to be okay. I've found someone that sticks closer than the brother, and he is my he is my comforter. He is my counselor. He is my uh, my priest, my provider, my savior. He's everything in the world that I was trying to find in those drugs and in pornography and women. That's who he is today in my life, and that's why I'm delivered. And the awesome part about having that NFL platform, Roy, is that now those are the hearts of young men and women out there that are struggling, they open up and I can speak life into others' hearts. I'm going to let my daughter come on, come, come <laughs> well, in. Well, I man. feel like we're having church on this Saturday morning. <laughs> Definitely very riveting to my spirit. Um, so, Roy, as you know, you know, here on Sharp Talk, we like to talk about football, family, faith, friendship and fun. Uh, So I just wanted you to sort of share with our viewers a little bit about your family background. I know you just mentioned your grandfather, God rest his soul. You grew up in Arkansas. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little background on what your uh, journey through childhood was like up until the NFL. Uh Well, you know, as you said, from Arkansas town, Magnolia, at that particular time and not much difference, about 10,000 people. 
in well, Southwest Arkansas. And uh, uh, my grandfather, uh, Ned Rose, you know, he had uh, 12 kids. Wow. And, uh, and we were all within the uh, community, you know, within walking or jogging to find each body. So, so that was some of my greatest times. You know, my family as a young boy, uh, you know, if, if you're not working, you plan. You know, that, that was basically uh, uh, me as a kid. I loved to play. I knew I had to work. And I had all of my families, of my communities around me. For some reason, well, I, I knew I was blessed because everyone loved me. People were always helping me throughout. And, and I think about it sometimes because as I went, got older and I played football, had some issues very early. Uh, but went on over that, played, finally played football when I was in 11th grade. <laughs> that was when I finally started to play. Wow. Uh, okay. And uh, left there and, and just wondered, you know, got drafted, played in uh, Henderson State University. You need to stand up when you hear that. Henderson <laughs> State University, you know. And uh, some of my greatest time, some of my greatest friends was there. Got drafted, believe it or not, into the Cardinals. And an uh, interesting thing was this. Uh, I never thought about going to a professional football player. I wanted to uh, be a teacher. I wanted to teach English and coach. Wow. wow. And Yeah, and in that issue, back in the, in the South in the 70s, mid-70s, people really didn't come and draft <laughs> uh, Henderson State University, right? So I remember uh, when I was in 11th grade, I mean 11th grade, as a sophomore, uh, junior, my mom uh, came to me and she said, uh, Roy, what's what's a draft? I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, but I think people take you to the, come and get you and go to pros. This is an 11th grade. I'm not even thinking about playing no professional football, right? Yeah. And she says, I was at the game today and some man was sitting next to me and he talked to me because I kept yelling at you so much. He said, do you know Roy Green? And she goes, that's my son. Yeah, and, right. and, the, and this guy says, you know what? He's going to play in the NFL. Wow. And I said, what? <laughs> so she, my, my, my mom told me that after that game and I'm like, that doesn't happen at Henderson State University, right? But after that, I find out when I got drafted that my coach, Sporty uh, Carpenter, he came to me and one of the uh, scouts from the Cardinals came and told me what happened. My coach called every organization in the NFL himself wow. and, and spoke to whomever he could and said, look, I got a guy that I want you guys to come and see him play. Roy Green, your number, whatever. He said, if he can't play, you never have to come back to Henderson State and to look at us at any player. Wow. And what that, man, that, that was the biggest, I mean, I swear. And first of all, how much my coach loved for me and committed and thought about me, felt that I was that good enough, made me pretty confident that, you know what, I, I think maybe he's right. And that's when I became really, really confident. And that gave me an opportunity to have a great 
uh, senior year and then got drafted to the Cardinals, of course. So uh, I just appreciate it. Divinely inspired. Divinely inspired. As you were speaking, you know, I think about our, our youth, our youth of today and, and, and those that we try to inspire and, and shout out to all the teachers uh, that work, especially with uh, the marginalized uh, youth in our community and, and how important it is for us as older members of society to inspire them that they, they can go and, and get an education and they can be uh, reach their dreams, whether it be a doctor, whether it be a lawyer, whether it be whatever uh, office of service that they, you know what I'm saying? And that, that what happened sounds like is what happened with you, with your mentors. Yeah, it's always somebody there. As I said, that's what I think I'm blessed, man. I was always, there was someone, uh, different people. Man, I can't believe to have so many people that assisted into what has become in my life, you know? That's uh, even Yeah, even in a, a teacher didn't teach me in high school, but he was at our high school, right? After uh, in school in that particular day or during the summer in the school, this particular coach, uh, and now he's a minister in, in my small town. I just spoke with him uh, not long ago. Yeah. He used to come around the park uh, on the sad sand lots or whatever, and he would just talk to kids. You know, and this is when I'm 15, 16 years old, and, you know, this just doesn't happen. He used to say things about play. There's a bigger place than Magnolia, Arkansas. I know you don't, and you guys have opportunities that you have no idea. Basically, he was telling us, because at that time, everybody, as I said, I told you, man, if I could be a teacher, yeah, and a coach, how wonderful that would be, right? And that is a great thing because I said he was a teacher, and I believed in it. But he gave us uh inspiration, all of us, every day. He just talked positive things to us, told us to think beyond of where we were, uh, uh, you know, having a positive. Uh, he just man, and first of all, let me say this in case he listened. He couldn't play a lick of <laughs> but he was always around there. Right. Always was, his whole purpose was to make kids better. That, that's what he did. He was com- he was committed to make kids better, whether you were in his classes or yeah. not. But if you were a a uh, a young woman or man in Magnolia, Arkansas, and he knew who you or your family was, at some point in time, he was going to give you uh, this positive uh, talk. And he did that for many, many years. And so many still thank him uh, for the inspiration that he gave. And a lot of us went on and did some, uh, as we think, pretty good things. I love that. I love that. I think it really does speak to the fact that it takes a village, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we all have something that we can offer to, you know, those that are coming behind us. So it definitely encourages me to continue to uh, be an inspiration and a beacon of light and love for others. Um, But I really, and I know my dad and I talked about this just recently, you all's coach, Jim Hannafin, passed away. God rest his soul. And so as you're talking about these coaches and these mentors that were, you know, such critical um, 
people in your life and in your journey, want, want you to talk about um, his impact, Coach Hannafin's impact in your life um, and just how impactful he was to your pro career. Well, you know what? I love Coach Hannafin. Uh, he was a guy, I'm trying to think, how do you explain Coach Hannafin? <laughs> I don't think you can, That's it. But you know what? For him, it was about football. This guy was a football coach. This is what he thought about mostly. It was either whatever he was doing before that was not a lot of things <laughs> that he did, but then the next thing was football. His family, you know, going out and having a good time with whomever around, conversations with whomever he met, it ended up to about football. And uh, he was like that, as I said, I got drafted and he was my second uh, hit coach in the NFL. And uh, first of all, you don't understand that we had, I wouldn't call it fights, but we didn't really think uh, the same, what I should be doing in football. Okay, let's put this there. Because as I was drafted, I was a defensive player and I was a defensive back. And in, in college, I was a cornerback, a cover guy, right? In my senior year, but I was a free safety. Okay, both. I was pretty good. Love both are good. But for some reason, <laughs> Mr. Hannafin, Coach Hannafin, think I should be a strong safety. Uh -uh. <laughs> now, for those that don't know, strong safety is the guy that has like to go it. down, take on Lyman, <laughs> take, take <laughs> tackles. Right. some guys that wasn't my my deal right because <laughs> my very first game uh it was a, a preseason and it was against at that time it was the houston oilers and there's a guy uh campbell earl campbell <laughs> yeah my very first or second play Oh no i'm at the safety position oh strong no. safety oh and he comes out on my side. Uh oh. Yeah, with a this oh. blocker, the fullback, and I try to take on the fullback. Of course, I'm coming down <laughs> already. I'm coming down, and Campbell. So I decide, you know, I'm going to throw in whatever I have right now, the rest, and <laughs> knock him off. So I kind of stuck my head and shoulder in <laughs> Campbell, and uh, probably. About a minute and a half after that, <laughs> like my helmet had been turned to the side, <laughs> my shoulder, I mean, skin is turned off my shoulder, Wow! my shoulder pads, because I guess from the power he came through, and wow. I'm like, this is the beginning of the pros? <laughs> a strong safety is not, not what I need to be. Wow. So from that, I used to talk to Coach Hannafin, like, Coach, man, I'm a corner. I'm a safety, and he's like, look, man, you know how Canister talk. He said, the only chance you're going to be a starter is playing a strong safety. So that's what you are. And oh, my. So for about a year or so, it was painful for me. It was very painful. So so that's interesting. Thank you, Roy. I, I never knew that. Thank you for sharing that story with us, that Earl <laughs> Campbell story. Tell us a little bit about your transition. What uh, what made it uh, possible, Hannafin? When, when and why did he decide to switch you to wide receiver? And, uh, and, and and why is it that you, in my mind, Roy, 
And I tell people this all the time. You were one of the greatest. And that includes the Michael Irvins. That includes the, the Jerry Rices. You were one of the greatest of our era at the wide receiver position. Thank so, you. Uh, I appreciate it. Tell us what uh, what inspired the, uh, the move from uh, safety to wide receiver. Okay. You know what? A lot of that, too. You know, I told you I'm thankful for Coach Hannafin. Uh, getting the nerves to change positions because a lot of people didn't do that. But UCLA is a backfield for that, uh, Louie. And that is, uh, you know, Theotis Brown? Theo, yeah. Theotis Brown, who was drafted the same year I was. And he was a running back, and he was the second uh, round for the uh, for UCLA, uh, the Bruins. And so, as I said, Coach Hannafin, you know, would always talk to all of his players. And uh, so when he, he talked to uh, – very first he came to Coach uh, Brown, I mean Theo, and said, you know what? He said, that green. he said, if I can get him to get tougher and really, really uh, <laughs> committed to being that strong safety, he could be really, really good, right? And Theotis, you know, as Theotis uses – leaves no words. He, Theotis said – uh, Coach, uh, Roy is the best athlete you got. He can play anywhere. If you really wanted to think about it, he could play anywhere. It's safety or the cornerback, or he could play offense. Wow. And when he said that, Coach Hannison started thinking about it because after practice, the Otis, OJ, myself, for our conditioning, we go out there and play Basketball, I mean, not basketball. We play receivers, defenses back, running the old wishbone or whatever. We were running and doing something. And so Coach Hannafin used to look and he said, you know what? I think this guy could be a receiver. <laughs> and so that's how he started. He came to me uh, maybe two days ago, Mr. Thomas, Emmett Thomas, who was my uh, – he was the receiver coach, uh, but we were defense at the time. Worship. He came to me. Worship. Question. Rock lock. He told him, hey, man, we're going to start getting you ready to play receiver next week. I said, next week? He said, I said, wait a minute. This is Friday. He goes, oh, yeah, you're going to get one play or two today against, I mean, Sunday against Cowboys. But next week, we're moving you. I said, well, I ain't got no plays for this week. He goes, no, I'm going to send you out and go. If you get a chance in the game, we're going to see you in the goal. Fortunately, the very first play I got that Sunday, uh, they sent me in. And, of course, I ain't got to do but one thing, run. <laughs> and uh, low, let it go. And, uh, you know, I caught my first pass about 65 yards wow. uh, against the Cowboys. And for that, Coach Anderson said, hey, next week, you're going to start this whole week practice, and you're going to start next week for for receivers. And that's where it started. What a story. Yeah. You know, one of the things, Roy, I, and, and I have to say this, you uh, were a warrior in the huddle. I remember you used to tell us all the time, the offensive lineman, just hold your block one more second. I guarantee you, I'm going to put you. I'm going to put you. <laughs> the passion and the fervor there. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, just that that, that, that excitement and that confidence, it reverberated uh, throughout the huddle. 
And that's why I say that you are one of the greatest of, of all times, definitely of our era, Amen. is because, you know, your influence on, on our teammates, on others around you because of your passion. Now, I remember we beat the 49ers, Sun Devil Stadium. I believe it was our first year. We were down, I don't know, 26 nothing at the half. Um, they were, I think, eventual Super Bowl champions that year. Uh, you caught, uh, uh, I think it was a post, I think South End Zone, Sun Devil Stadium from Lomax, and, and we finished them off and, and beat them. Do you remember that game? And also, what was your greatest Cardinal moment? Is Was that it, or was there some other moment? Uh, man, that's a tough one. But, yeah, I definitely remember. Of course I remember that. And, you know, by the way, almost every time that I had a big touchdown, I mean a big one, you know, the first guy was to me was you, Lou. Oh. It was you. Wow. You slammed me down about three times. <laughs> I don't know for why, but you put me down behind everybody. That's what you do. But, man, you were so excited, and I was full excited for you. But uh, I just have to say I always remember that. Whenever it was against the Giants, I remember against these uh, 49ers, you say, you gave me the slam down, bam, <laughs> and you know, started to celebration. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think uh, that particular game was, as you said, we were down uh, 20, 21, yeah, 22, whatever, whatever. And the fans, so the fans left, yeah, left. they did. And we scored a, I scored a touchdown, and then we had uh, about two minutes or so, a little after all the way back from our own about 17, 18 yard. And it was looking kind of thin, <laughs> but you know, you guys fought your lineman gave us time and Lomax and, and Jones. Uh, and of course, you know, JT going to always make some plays to get us moving. I, I called a couple ones, but with, it's going to be interesting with about, uh, I guess it's about 12 seconds or something like that to go. And we were going to go out. And I remember this, Vivid. We were about to go and we called the play. And uh, as we were going, I knew that they were about to blitz us, but they had uh, 12 guys on the field. Mm. They called a timeout. So we came over to the side and I ran over to Coach uh, Stallings at the time and him and Lomax and they're just talking. They're going back and forth and I'm just listening. And then he, he called some play, and I'm like, uh, I don't think we need to run that. I said, uh, they're coming. They were blitzing, which means that they were bringing everybody. Right, right. And I said, I just saw that Lot was scheduled, and I could see where he was tipping that he was going to blitz. No question, he was coming. So I told him, they're coming. Look, all we need is JT or ourselves, both one-on-one. JT runs a slant. I'll run a fade from the inside. Either one of us, you know, one of us, we, we people don't cover one-on-one against JT or myself. That's just, no, you can't do that. Absolutely But I knew that they were coming. So that's it. He said, you take it. So go with it. And we went with it. And I got this, Neil, um, Neil came to me, uh, made the touchdown. And that's when it, Louis, here he comes. You know, Louis going <laughs> to slam me down and beat me and, we celebrated. It was one of the biggest victories we had uh, in Arizona, for yes, sure. And, and it so was fun. That, was that your greatest moment, or is there some other moment that you remember that you consider? Man, I had a lot. I mean, not meaning that I had a whole lot, but there's certain things that you think about that are vivid. I knew that once we were uh, 
and people may not, well, I'll tell you everything. You know I will. Uh, we were playing the uh, Colts. We were playing Colts, and I was having a, a, a great season that year. And we were playing uh, the Colts, and in the first half, I'd already scored a touchdown and almost had about 90 yards or whatever, but I had dropped two passes in the first half. So we come out in the third quarter and I dropped another one. People didn't realize, but I knew what was going on. But I did. And Coach Hannafin calls and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna take you out. I'm like, what? I said, look, are you crazy? You know, I will say what I want to say. Yeah. Not that it's right, but I'm like, no, no, you're not. I said, it's going to be 12 on the field. I said, I got it. Don't worry about it. Wow. So what I had to do on that in the last quarter, I had to tell Lowe, whatever the plays were called, you got to put me on the left side, right, to catch to the right side because I was having the issues with my sight. Mm. People didn't know it, but whenever I would try to catch a pass and I turned my head, instant, I would just go blur. I really couldn't wow. see. Wow. And I now I know, or after that, I knew, I knew that I had had a, some type of concussion prior to so it was very hard for me to move my head and to adjust. And I came back to the doctor after that game because we went back and we won the game. Remember, we did go back and beat them late in the game. And uh, uh, and that was one of the biggest times because I went through what I had to do. And all the players, Neil, the rest of uh, Lou, guys always uh, told me, you know, don't, don't worry. We're going to get it because even Hannafin, we were down about – 13 points. He said, we're going to get it. And all of us followed. We went back and uh, O'Donoghue kicked a field goal to win that game. But for me, it took more, took out of me more than I ever have because of the, what we went through it all, what I personally, myself, went through it while and to make that, make that play uh, then and continue my confidence that even what it was going on, that some kind of way I was going to, I was going to make it happen. So that's probably was the time I think most about. And, you know, that, that speaks to being an overcomer, being an overcomer. And like you said earlier in the show, quitting just does not exist. And that has to be your mentality when you're out there. Um, no matter what, no matter what, you're going to pick yourself back up and you're going to fight until you win because you were born to win. That speaks yeah. of being. And I want to say, Roy, Roger Worley, Roger, welcome. Birdman watching, yeah. is watching the show. Uh, all Hall of Famer, Roger Worley. Please say hello and tell us a little bit about your memories with Roger. Birdman, without question, a Hall of Famer. And you knew instantly. As I said, I was a cornerback in college. And when I first uh, came there and see Birdman, and, you know, this is not racist, you know, to see a white guy <laughs> doing what he could do, it was, like, amazing to me. And I used to call him Whirly Bird because this guy – he had, I don't know how he did it. He would be going, make a play on the right side, and maybe very seldom, if he made a mistake, some kind of way, he would do a whirly bird, as I call it, and plant his foot and make a 360 to the other side and be right back on the receiver. <laughs> you know, it was like the most amazing thing I did. And Whirly was the guy who was very quiet, really didn't say 
anything, but every day he was going to do the work. He was going to make plays. And you knew. He was one of those guys you knew. This guy is different than everybody else. And, and you knew that. And uh, he's very quiet, very humble guy, but and one of the greatest, greatest defensive backs that you could ever see. And that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. And a great guy, too. Great guy. Very humble. I got a chance to play uh, at uh, a golf tournament in St. Louis uh, a few years back with Roger and uh, uh, Jim Hart and, and several other former players. And, you know, a great pleasure to reconnect and take pictures. Thank you, Roger, for joining Sharp Talk, Rebecca. Yeah, well, you know, I'm kind of taking it back. So you have been able to tell us about all of the great highlights and golden moments. And it's definitely been uh, really uh, just warming my heart hearing you guys reminisce and reflect. But taking you all the way back, I want to know where the nickname Jetstream. <laughs> Jetstream. Boy, Jetstream. <laughs> yeah, that was something Vi continued to talk about when he was on uh, last month. So please let us know. Where did you get the nickname from? And you know who did it was a guy, Mike Schumann. Okay. Shoe dog. At, yeah, okay. shoe dog. He came with us from uh, uh, the 49ers to here in the uh, first, uh, well, I don't know what year. It was probably when 83. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 83. He came to our team, joined us. In that particular year, Coach Hannafin decided, hey, in this training camp, when you guys get here, we're going to uh, – everybody's going to have to get uh, – have to run 40s, mm. right? And I'm like, everybody's saying, like, male grade, all these people are saying, what? Come on, man. I've been here 10 years or whenever he played. And, you know, I've been about my third or fourth year. What I'm like, what the heck we got to do this? But we were getting a different coordinator that year with uh, Dahauer was going to be our new coordinator. And I guess for some reason, the speed is going to do something. I don't know what the heck, why. But during that offseason, you know, everybody was getting ready of their own thing. But I started running more than ever for my for my sprinting. So anyway, prior to this training camp, uh, the younger guys, rookies and younger guys, they go run theirs before. So we had three uh, young guys, defensive backs, they were all very fast, right? And as they, excuse me for that, right there you go. So uh, Coach uh, Thomas called me that night. He says, hey, Hoss. He says, man, so I'm going to have to need you. I'm like, well, what's going on? He said, I got, <laughs> I got bets <laughs> for all the coaches because three of those guys in the coach had ran uh, low four fours and one guy – uh, his name, you know, Speedy. Uh, Speedy, Speedy, Speedy. Lionel, 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 Lionel Speedy. Yeah. yeah, it ran like a four three. <laughs> and he says, but everybody's got bets. All the coaches were putting bets on who was going to win from their group or from whatever. You know how much? And he says, man, you can you can you can get me some money here because I told him that you're going to beat them all. I said, okay, I got it. Right, so. When I ran that my 40 there, I ran first time I ran, I ran like four two eight. And uh so oh. Coach Anna, they made me run again. <laughs> like, what the heck? They were like, oh, we must have missed it. <laughs> so then I, I ran a four two six. Oh my the second time and Schumann ran out. So wow, that, that's a jet stream going through there. 
<laughs> and that's fun. That's how it came. And everybody, and he always called me that. So everybody just, people start calling me Jet, Jet Stream. So it just kind of stuck to me. Question. Daryl Green and you in a 40-yard dash. Who wins? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I, you know what? I, I couldn't say. I really couldn't. He's one, He's the only one guy, the only guy that I ever played with that I thought about, wow, this guy might could catch me. <laughs> hey. so that, was, that was my thought. But I knew that he thought that also. But he was, fortunately, he never did. But uh, uh, he was he was the one guy that impressed me. When he talked about speed, right. he was the guy. Him and uh, Lionel were only two guys that I all, well, maybe Eric Dickerson, that always made me think, wow. When you see them run, you just kind of go, wow. You you can see speed when you see it. Yeah. So and and but Daryl, my cousin, as I call, you know, he has some uh, as you call some notches on his gun. You know, from Eric Dickerson and uh, uh, who's that? He runs by on the Monday night was uh, from the running back, not the run, the running back from the uh, Cowboys, uh, Tony D. Yeah. Yeah. So he runs about it and nobody runs by Tony D or Eric, but Daryl did that. So, you know, he's really, really fast. He got some jets. He got some jets. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. I'm glad to now know the context and the history behind this legendary name, Jetstream Green. <laughs> so you've been talking throughout the interview about um, inspiration that you gleaned even from your hometown in Arkansas and while you were at Henderson State University. You talked about resilience and being an overcomer, which was really neat, especially as you just mentioned how that happened throughout your plays um, with the Cardinals. But I also want to know in, in the warrior mentality, Dad, that you mentioned, that you always mentioned that Roy has, I want to know more about how faith has played a role in your journey. Um, you talked about your grandfather. We talked about Special Lady Sharon, um, who, who is a prayer warrior. So just share with us a little bit more about how your faith uh, has been something that you have relied on and leaned on throughout your life's journey. As I said before, everything for me, I think for my grandfather and my mom, they were one of a thing. They were one of a thing. And as a young, my grandfather always told me, you know, as I said, he had 13 guys. And uh, things that he always told me, he would always say, when he would say, boy, I want you to listen. And I want you to listen good. Whenever he said that, you know, I better grab this one right here. And, you know, and the one at first was always love the Lord. That was it. Always love the Lord. That was the beginning. And and secondly was he told me the story, uh, which is meaning that I think is this warrior and believe in everything. As I said, he had 12 kids uh, during the Depression, you know. He told me he figured out a way that he could buy a mule, Ooh. right? Because the only way they were going to be able to go through it was the, you know, they had a small amount of land, not a whole lot, but they did raise the foods they had. They had a few hogs or whatever they raised, but they had to figure out a way to raise for them. And these 12 people at that time, they figured out a way to go out and make just enough to buy a young mule, 
And that's how they got through the depression of 12 people. Uh, you know, during that time, it just, and he just felt like it. As soon as everybody was, you know, thinking about how are we going to do this and go this, he said, first and foremost, I believed in God. Mm-hmm. I believed in myself. And I figured out how in the heck was I going to do it. And that's what he did. It. And they raised it. And let me tell you about this this mule that he bought. <laughs> His name was Slim. Okay. Slim the mule. This mule, I don't know how old. This, this, this mule lived so long because when I was about... 12 or so, this mule, every year we'd go out and we would raise just a whole field of corn, right, to raise, to put up so that this mule, Slim, man, this Slim, this mule lived better than I did. <laughs> I'll tell you, my, my grandfather took care of this Slim, gave him, you know, the horns that he drought, but we drive. Uh, 80 yard, I mean, 80 miles to go get this certain kind of alfalfa hay that that Slim could have, you know, not the regular stuff. And it was because he said that that mule uh, took care of his life, uh, his family's life, helped them to survive. So that's why he took care of this mule for so many. I don't know how old that dang mule was, but he took care of him. That all he did was eat and walk occasionally around the field. But that was it. He took care of the mule because he did that. But those kind of stories made me, from my, my grandfather only did a few things, but when he talked about, as I said, always love the Lord. You know, he mm-hmm. talked about family, how important family was. And every, each one of us, you better take care of yourselves, take care of each other. So yeah. it was very simple to, for me from him. But I knew that if he said it, he meant it, and it's, and it's always worked for him. Yeah, amen, amen. And that yeah. faith continues to work for us to this day, right? So that is a powerful life lesson, always love the Lord. And you mentioned uh, that your grandfather also stressed the importance of family. Um, and I've been blessed to, to interact with your daughter, <laughs> Candace, and I thank her for helping us pull uh, the show together today. But I want to know, um, you know, for you, the importance of family, um, raising your children and your grandchildren, and what you desire your legacy to be? A legacy? Oh, if there's one. It'd be very simple. But first, first, as you talk about, you know, my kids, the family, first of all, I must say that it was about uh, sharing. See, you know, and and Louis understands, he knows, uh, and, and Kathy gets a lot of credit for it, that you know, when you're in football, man, it takes so much from you. Mm. Takes your time, takes you spiritually. I mean, mentally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're always hurting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very, very difficult time uh, that it shouldn't be because of how uh, how much important that it is. But for some reason, you know, when you're that young and you're going through that, it, it was, well, not, I'm going to speak for everybody, but for me, it was too easy for me to say, man, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to go to the gym and I got to go back and I got to make a speaking and I, you know, I got to make the money for our family. I got to do, but at the same time, Sharon was all doing what she was supposed to do. 
she was always, but I never, ever had uh, a chance to worry about no matter where I was, that they were going to be taken care of at home, that they were going to be doing what they're supposed to do, that they're trying to make them better citizens, you know, that they were going to be loving and teaching them. They were going to get on their butt when they had to. So she was so, what's, she gets the credit for, if there's any, for our family, for our children, if any of that goes out, it's, it's for her. Wow. But secondly, I hope that for them now, all I tell them is simple to grandpa. I tell my kids, hey, look, love the Lord forever. For mm -hmm. all you got, you do that. And you better love each other and you better take care of each other and you better be a great citizen. Simple. Mm -hmm. I, I concur. I concur. Thank mm -hmm. God for not only our, our wives when we were playing and the demands that were placed on us as, as football players, um, but also for our families. And I can uh, name my, my mother and my sister. Uh, they also interceded uh, at a time when I was out and doing uh, living life irresponsibly. So I, I concur with that and loving the Lord. And, you know, the lesson in, in your grandfather, grandfather with uh, the mule. And, you know, he recognized that that was a gift from God. Mm. You know, when you recognize that, that God is behind all the the good and, and, and things that he provides. He's the only one that provides. You take care of those things because they're, they're come, they are divinely uh, provided. Amen. So, Roy, I wanted to switch a little bit, uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about your thoughts on uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming to the Cardinals, mm -hmm. Kyler Curry, and what are the prospects of the Cardinals making the playoffs this year? Oh, man. You know, they still have an opportunity. So uh, anytime you have a chance, you have you have a chance, right? Uh, but the Cardinals, man, they started off, man. They, oh man, so exciting, you know, for what they've done. You know, through acquisitions uh, with Hopkins, who I think is uh, he's he's very good. I think that he's one of the five, probably the top five or six players in the league. He's been he's been consistent. You know exactly what he's going to do. He has great hands, great hands. And his quickness, he's more quick than he is fast. So in this, in this, I guess, the way people playing football now, it's all about uh, moving the ball, uh, moving the chains. So it's not a lot of big plays. So it's perfect for a situation like Hopkins uh, that he's done. Uh, so the Cardinals start off great, but his last – Four weeks have not been very good for us for some reason. Haven't clicked. I don't know what it is, and you know how that is, Lou. When you're doing everything you're supposed to do, and your plan is great, and man, and when you look at things, it's like, oh man, this was so close to be perfect. You know, you got eight, ten guys, you know, doing something, and then this one guy. Oh, look at what is that? So. I think that's the situation that's as generally it is for everybody, uh, for the Cardinals right now, is that they're they're playing hard without question. They're getting after things, but we're not. The entire team is not making that play at the at the same time, at the right time. Because still, football has been over a hundred years, and it's always back to the same. Generally, in most games, they're always between four or five plays that's going to determine who wins the ball game. You just don't know when it is. And I think that's what's happening with the uh, Cardinals right now. It takes a cohesive effort. 
and all 11 players have to do their responsibility in order for uh, team success to happen. You know, I was reminded, Roy, I think it was 1984. Uh, we were atop of the uh, the NFC East, and we went into Washington. Uh, oh. The Redskins missed the field goal, a makeable field goal. And uh, if we would have won that game, I remember a very controversial roughing the passer call against EJ Jr. Yes. In my first down, and we missed that field goal. We could have been uh, NFC champions, and I believe we could have went deep into the playoffs with the kind of talent that we had. Have we, we won winning that game. We were winning it. There's no question in my life. There's no question we were going to win that Super Bowl. Wow. We had a couple of I mean, adversity that we had prior. For some reason, uh, I know that you don't remember this, but we won a couple of weeks prior to, to the Cowboys in St. Louis on the worst play ever, and we lose this game. So, so when we go to this final game, the play is between us and the Redskins. You know, we'd been a one game above the league, you know, between that game. If we went, we probably would have gotten the playoffs anyway, but we right. didn't. So it was either you win and you go to the playoffs and wins the division or you lose. You don't even get in the playoffs. You go home, yeah. Yeah, and we go back. Uh, we played. We played. We were, again, back about 20 points at halftime. Yeah, yeah. And we came back and take the lead. Take the lead with about two, two and a half minutes to go, and they get back and take it. Uh, for whatever reason, it didn't fall for us. But, man, I'm telling you, we were a better team that day. We were particularly a better team that day with about two or three terrible – Calls. Uh, yeah, okay, calls. We'll call it calls. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't win it, so we don't get in there. And Washington goes on and wins the Super Bowl, a team that we felt like – we you know, have. we would have done the same thing. So, oh, man, I, 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 I will never forget that. I still think about that. Yeah, me and I you both. Think I, think about I, that. I remember vividly they had like third and 18. And I'm like, oh, it's over. They're I can tell you that right now. And they call a bogus uh, roughing the passer call on EJ Jr. And I'm thinking yes. to myself, this cannot be real. This is not happening. Gave them a first down. First down. What? <laughs> and, they, and they do pick up one of the, as you said, another 18, and they pick up 19 by uh, Monk on the on the sideline and gets uh, gets another first down. I'm like, oh, oh man. But, yeah, you, you never forget those. You know, a lot of guys, for some reason, for me, and a lot of people I talk to, we think more about the games that we should have won than what we won. Because those games take – Oh, man, I still got games in college that I just think about. Man, I'm still thinking about this 100 years later about that particular game. And a lot of the wins, I'm, you know, I'm not thinking about it, but those games lose that, yeah. are, that are the ones that hurt you so bad. Yeah, and I honestly just think that speaks to both of you all's passion for the game. You know, it really is in your heart. And you can feel that. We can hear it. And, you know, we've been blessed to see it. 
over the years as well. Um, so Roy, I, this has been such a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. It has blessed my heart and my spirit. Uh, as you, as we both all know, we're in the holiday season and the holidays look different this year due to COVID yes. and, you know, just this, this very calamitous year that we've all experienced um, of 2020. So if you have any inspiration on your heart uh, that you would like to share with those who are viewing with us live or who will watch this replay later, just want to hear from a living legend, some inspiration as we uh, conclude this adversity-stricken year and um, look hopeful to 2021? Oh, I don't know if I can inspirate or inspire anyone, but I just just say that I hope for. I just hope everyone is love each other enough. Mm -hmm. Just love each other enough. Don't don't be judgments. Just love each other. That's pretty simple because you generally... uh, in, in my house, you know, right now, or well, maybe in Candace's house and Sharon's house, you know, they, they run everything. But uh, for some reason, you know, in this last uh, eight, nine months, it's been so different than how things have been. It's, and it's been terrible. There's been some uh, things that you never thought that our lives would become this way. Yeah. But for me and what I've, I've always been, through. As I said, I've had some health issues over the last four or five years. And, and this going down, this is what's happening, that I cannot believe how I small, how I'm smiling now because how blessed that I am. Amen. And this time now, this every day, you know, I'm with the grandkids, I'm with uh, Sharon, I'm with Candace. This is where all of our times has been. Uh, Things that we didn't have that didn't take this kind of time. I didn't because, you know, me, I'm always running, playing golf and going wherever all over the country and doing this and that. And didn't take the time with this particular time with the family. And secondly, guys that you never used to call, pick up a call that you used to didn't, uh, that now you've done. (laughs) You know, I'm calling guys that I've uh, came back, hadn't seen or talked to in, in years. And now we've gotten back together and, uh, you know, always cared about each other, always loved, but just didn't take the time. So now mm-hmm. I think that everybody should start taking the time for, the, for what's the most important for us. Amen. And just love people, man. Don't worry about all this negative, whatever the heck you got. Just love each other, man. You know, that's uh, that's very well spoken. And thank you for that reminder. And uh, the one that we celebrate this time of year says, you know, love one another as I have loved you. And he said, by this, men will know that you are my disciples. And that's something that you've always shown me as I uh, articulated earlier in the program, Roy, when you and Larry Lee threw me in the back of a suburban, drove me to the Betty Ford Center. And and you're going to you're going to get me locked in. You know, that's illegal. You're going to get me locked in, Lord. (laughs) You're going to get me locked up, man. That's no, and I, I went willingly, but you guys made it happen with my with my wife, Kathy, because out of, out of love. And I, and the times that I've come to Arizona and you've gotten me and my kids football tickets so that we can attend the Cardinal games, you have demonstrated exactly what it is that you're speaking about, the importance of loving people sacrificially. Well, as I said, it's easy, Louis. It's very easy. I told you before, and I still believe you're very f- – it doesn't take very long to know who's a friend, Amen. right? Because there's lots of people that 
I could have done some things, probably should have, but for whatever reason, wasn't really on my heart to do. And I think a lot of it is, you know, is because what you felt from somebody else. So this wasn't, for me, it wasn't about from you. It was from me because I know, man, this guy cares for me and he's out of situation that he needs, in my opinion, needs to get some help. So why would I, you know? And I knew that as things were reversed, I knew that it would be exactly the same thing from you. I knew that, it's no question. So it was very, very easy uh, for me to go and, and see you and to be there. But as I said, you, you taught me so much because I have a, my brother, my brother next to me, is, uh, has some fighting things. And, uh, you know, he's done very well here over the last uh, seven years. And he's a minister now. Praise wow. God. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. But, you know, until you told me, well, I didn't know what the heck was going on and what it was really about. I couldn't, I couldn't even understand it, you know. But you you put it very succinct on, on that particular morning as we were having breakfast in that uh, Denny's down there in California that morning right before yeah. when I was trying to tell you all this stuff I'd heard about and read about. And right. I remember you were hitting and you just kind of looked at me and said, Green, Jet, you don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> you know, let, let me tell you what's going on, man. And when you went on and explained that to me, I was like, wow, okay, I can understand it. I can understand very easily that could be me right here doing that because it's very very easily and, and very very hard very hard to get away from it yeah and it is and 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 people that make bad decisions or get involved in substances uh they're not necessarily bad people they just, just no not at all. they need uh, rehabilitation they need treatment they need counseling they need support basically they need love they need love and they're not going to be ready to stop their substance abuse until you can lock them up, you can pray for them, but until that person is ready to make a change, nothing will change. So I thank you for being an influence and thank you for sharing uh, love unconditionally and sacrificially. And that's what he did on the cross for us. He loved me when I didn't even love myself. And that's why we celebrate him on this uh, holiday season. Amen. Jesus is the Luke. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Jetstream Green. Today has been absolutely wonderful. We have truly enjoyed it. Um, and again, Candace, we shout you out for helping to us to get everything together behind the scenes. We love you all. One, one final thing. You remember Franchise? You remember Franchise? Broderick Sargent. Oh, Broderick. <laughs> Broderick. He's a doctor. He is Dr. Uh, Broderick Sargent has his own church in Texas, and he's a minister of the gospel today. A Isn't minister? I knew he was a doctor, but I didn't know he was a minister. But hey, God, it's a miracle. It's a yeah. miracle. Yeah, we're all miracles. He wanted us to say hello, Roy. We all love you and uh, yes. continue to pray for us as we will you. And thank you so much, brother, for uh, for you, for just being you. Hey, man, I love you guys. All you, you. Uh, Cardinal families, camp family, uh, community, you know what's going on <clears throat> next Sunday. We need some, baby. Let's make this turn. 
time. I'm Make committed. I'm committed now. I'm committed. All right. To victory. Come Make on. it happen, Captain. Make it happen, Captain. Let's do it. All right. Well, everybody, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he lift up his countenance unto you, be gracious to you, and give you all peace. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love you. Love, Love you. you. Bye-bye. Peace.